the stories that I have told you about Greek gods and heroes and monsters, they are real. Mom. In those stories, I have told you about how gods and mortals would sometimes have Mom, children together, stop. children called Mom. demigods, and sometimes they are known as half-bloods. That's what the monster called me. Mom, what's happening? You are a half-blood. And half-bloods are not safe in the world. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to the Percy Jackson Prophecy. It's a podcast dedicated to the Percy Jackson book series and show on Disney+. Plus. So let's hold fast and brave the storm. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm your host, Mary Larson. And my name is Reese, your co-host. Yes, you are the co-host, man. We are so excited to begin this, our first episode for this brand new podcast all about the Percy Jackson series. Books and show. Yeah. Yeah. So my name's Mary. I have been podcasting with my husband, Blake, since Reese was under a year old. He was a tiny itty bitty baby when my husband and I started podcasting. And so Reese has grown up having parent podcasters his entire life. And my husband, Blake, and I, we podcast about other book and film and television series. But then along came the Percy Jackson series. And actually, we were introduced to the Percy Jackson series through you, Reese. How were you first introduced to it? Um, Actually, it was through school. I've heard of Percy Jackson, and I said, didn't really, I just wasn't interested in it. And then when I finally began reading it, I was like, this is an adventure book, I like it. <laughs> yeah. And then I told you guys, and then we found this podcast called Greeking Out, but we're sure to skip to that. <laughs> we found another podcast, believe and, it or not, right, about about the Greek myths, and, and you they, have become super interested in all things Greek myths, the Percy Jackson series, and then of course we find out that the show is is being made on Disney Plus, and now we get to podcast about it. That's right. So we are so excited to bring this to you. This show is going to be spoiler free. So if you yourself have read the Percy Jackson series and you know about what's about to happen know that we're not going to share that because there's a lot of people who are going to be introduced to Percy and the rest of the um, half-bloods, right? Is that what it is? Half-breeds? Um, what are we called? No, not half-breed, half-blood. Half-blood, okay. Or the... It's the, real, the, ti- the traditional title is Demigod. Okay, so there are a lot of people like myself who do not know the entire Percy Jackson series. And so because of that, we're letting our podcast listeners be spoiler free in this show. The other thing that we're really excited about is we're going to be having the ability for you, the listener, to call in and leave some voicemail feedback. Well, on that note, I think it's time that we get into the show. Reese, I need your help, my friend. What is the title of this episode? So this is episode one of season one. Hopefully there's more seasons. What is the episode title? Well, the episode title would have to be... I I accidentally vaporized my pre-algebra teacher. I, I 
accidentally vaporize my pre-algebra teacher. Now, killing this a is, teacher. This mm-hmm. is also the title of the first chapter of, in the book, right? Yeah. So it is a mouthful, as you just demonstrated. And for those of you who maybe are listening to the podcast in the future, we want to give a quick recap. This is we meet 12-year-old Percy Jackson, and he's on a field trip to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which is located where, buddy? In New York. New York City. And he's there with the teacher and some other classmates. He has this it's situation go on at a water fountain. And all of a sudden, a teacher turns into something creepy. And he accidentally uh, stabs her with a sword. We'll get into that. But all of this is happening. Absolute chaos. Percy goes home to tell his mom what's happening. And they run on over to a cabin in Montauk where his mom, Sally, tells him that his son, her son is actually... Uh, part Greek god and that monsters are real and his best friend Grover is actually a satyr off they go being chased by the minotaur who then you know like kills his mom let's just roll the clip oh my goodness gracious it's it's a lot it's a lot friends but this is quite the beginning episode and that being said um we actually have a new seg a, a special segment that we wanted to include into this yeah, podcast as I said. called dad's details so reese's dad blake loves to talk details about shows and take it away blake so the details that we're talking about are things like the writers and the directors or even the showrunners or somebody that is taking a part of this show so one of the things here i wanted to talk about is the showrunners now a showrunner is somebody that is in charge of the show they make all the decisions they're in charge of the writing they're in charge of the directing they're in charge of the budget they're like the they're pr- the boss they're the boss they're the president of the show and what they say goes and they even make decisions like hey if, if this happens in the book but you know what? For a TV show, I think we should do something different. Or they're in charge of making sure that the uh, the adaptations of the show fall fall in line with the book, but aren't necessarily copying the book either. Because what works in television doesn't always necessarily work in uh, in in books, and vice versa. It's actually something we learned uh, quite heavily in the Harry Potter podcast that we have, Mary, called the Potterverse, where they're adapting the Harry Potter books to the movies. So it's really important to make that distinction. Especially for people like you, Reese, where you've read the book. Not everything is going to be the same in the book as it is in the show. And that's the showrunner's big job is to make sure that it all makes sense for the show. So the good news for all of you Percy Jackson nerds out there is that this show is being run by a couple of guys that are really, really, really smart. And they have really good television chops. Like they, they've run really important shows and they're really talented writers. Their names are Jonathan E. Steinberg and Dan Schatz. Now, I know you don't know those names, but for those of your parents or for those who are older listeners, they ran the shows. We're not older listeners. Or just well seasoned. Yeah, good point. <laughs> um, they ran the shows The Old Man on Netflix and also Black Sails on Stars, uh, in, in, in addition to Human Target and the show Jericho. Now, those are all really, especially Black Sails, really, really successful television shows. And this episode, as a matter of fact, was actually written by, John, um, by Jonathan E. Steinberg. And the 
author of the book series, Rick Riordan. So he played a hand in helping write the screenplay or what people are reading uh, when they're acting. Um, they wrote it, which is really important. And then, of course, the director was by uh, is a guy named James Bobin. Now, again, for us seasoned watchers, there we go. Uh, you will definitely know his work. You may not know his name, but uh, if you're of the age that Mary and I are, mm-hmm. you'll know the the uh, da- Ali G show. Oh yes. So just uh, so you know, my mom and dad are 41 and 42, or maybe a 40 41 and 40. Yes, I am 40 and, and Mary is 41. I'm the most well-seasoned. I have yes. marinated for a long time on this planet. <laughs> so uh, James Bobin actually helped create uh, Ali G and Borat. And also the other, um, the other really great character, Bruno. And uh, he also helped create the show Flight of the Concords, as a matter of fact. So it's really, uh, it's really special. He directed the Muppets movie, uh, the Muppets Most Wanted, and then uh, the sequel to um, Alice in Wonderland, Alice Through the Looking Glass, as well as Dora, The Lost City of Gold. So he has a pretty good range of films and television shows under his what belt. What I love about this, so this is the director we're talking about. The director's done humorous comedy shows that are aimed more towards adults, but then he's also worked on Muppet movies. What? Like Muppet movies! What? And then other movies that are aimed a bit more towards a younger demographic. So James Bobin, who did the directorial stuff, obviously likes humor. Yes. He works well with things that aren't real, okay, because he's Mm -hmm. worked with Muppets. So if you can work with Muppets, you can work with monsters. Let's be real. (laughs) And then, of course, his most recent big thing that you talked about, Blake, was Dora and the Lost City of Gold. So he's used to this age demographic and also um, humor and Muppets, yeah. which, which there probably weren't Muppets used in this series. I doubt it, but, but no. there are monsters. I, just, I do want to say that I think for fans of this show, I, you should know that I think you're in really good hands. Between the showrunners and the A-list director, who's James Bobin, uh, they set the tone. Um, James Bobin sets the, the visuals for the rest of the series. You have, I think, a really, really talented team behind the camera. And also, Rick Riordan is playing a very specific role in this show. Like, as opposed to the films, this show is like he is helping guide it, which is a really big deal. So, any changes that are being made are really done with his blessing. So, if you're a fan of the book series, just know that the guy who created it is behind this adaptation 100%. Very cool. Thank you, Rick, for giving us, giving this show so much love and and time and consideration. And thank you, Dad. Right? You want to say thanks to Dad? Yeah. And also, my dog just joined us. Yeah. (laughs) If you you hear a little barking, that's Butterbeer. So thank you, Blake, for all of those insights. And that's going to be part of um, ongoing episodes is going to be Dad's details. All right. It is time, Reese. Let's for go. your trident rating. So we we rate episodes on a one to five scale, one being the absolute worst, like as bad as Nancy Boba Fett throwing a piece of cheese at your face. Okay? Ew. No, wait. And it was five. actually a peanut butter and ketchup sandwich. Well, well, in the book, it was peanut butter and ketchup. But in the movie, I mean, in the TV show, it was a piece of cheese. Blech. Because let's be real. It'd be really hard to see if it was a peanut butter ketchup sandwich on the show. So- 
And and the five being the absolute best, meaning you're coming home and eating all the delicious blue candy and enjoying life to the fullest. I will give this episode a 4.5 because I am so excited that this series is being brought. I love Disney Plus. I love that I get to watch it with my kids and enjoy it as a whole family. I'm excited that the episodes are being released weekly. There are going to be a total of eight episodes. and I think that that's really fun because it allows people to experience it together and to talk about it. Reese, on a scale... Of, of one, one to, to five. five, what do you give this episode? I'd give it like a 4.3. Ooh, a 4.3. Awesome. All right. So uh, the other thing that we like to do is talk about our GBGs, our goods, our bads, and, and our, our greats. And our greats. So these are our GBGs for the episode. So my good for this episode was actually the car chase scene. I was so stressed out. I was feeling it as someone who drives with children in the car. I will tell you, it is stressful during the rain. It is a stressful situation. So I am I felt it. I think that car scene was done really well. My bad was the underpants on the Minotaur. And here's why. It is mentioned. He's is he wearing underpants? And I couldn't see the underpants very and well it's because modern it was so day. stressful. And it was it was a dark situation. So um, I I put underpants, but I actually mean that those kind of whole scenes uh, in the nighttime were actually really hard for me to see. It was really dark, and I was watching it during the daytime at the first time, and I couldn't see it because there was glare on my television. So I couldn't see that the Minotaur had underpants, but I couldn't see a lot of the things, but I was feeling the stress. But once I watched the episode without all of the TV glare, I was in good shape. And then my great was the mother-son relationship in this episode. I could feel the love, whether it was the flashback of a little baby Percy, not baby Percy, but younger Percy and his mom, or you know, as soon as he comes home and she just wraps him up in his hands, in her arms, so happy that he's home. I adore the mother-son relationship. So now, Reese, what are your GBGs? So my good is the scene where Percy strips Nancy into the fountain. It gives him justice to the biggest bully in Nancy Academy. It's just, I think he would have loved... But he didn't shove her. But you like that she was, that somehow... He managed to give justice. And she was afraid of him. Oh my God, Percy shoved me! Okay, so you like that Nancy got what was coming to her yeah. because she was being such a bully. All right, but that was up for debate. So we're going to talk about that scene a little bit. You're bad of this episode. What was bad for you? So when Percy gets attacked by Miss Dodds, um, he, it took Percy by surprise. And when you're fighting, that is never good. Even an enemy, your side... And it's never a good thing when you're taken by surprise. I would agree. And I think we as the viewers were taken by surprise. And what was really cool is this ep- this part of the TV is very different than what it was in the book. And I know we're saying that this is going to be spoiler free. But I do want just show watchers to know that this scene in the book was a bit longer. And it was uh, uh, handled differently. And I think that this is a really neat thing. So, Because I know, Reese, you were saying that. Oh, it was too short. And it was very different. What was your great in this episode? So, this might tie with another Greek myth. If you heard this one. He kills the Minotaur with its own horn. So, in the Greek myth, Theseus and the Minotaur, Theseus kills the Minotaur with its own horn. And he cuts a piece off that horn with a sword, and Percy does the same. So, that kind of ties that myth really, really well. 
Yeah, and I like how they did the animation for it. Mm. When he when he stabs the Minotaur in the head, it just disintegrates. Yeah, disintegrated almost into this weird dust, and obviously Percy falls a great distance as he falls off the Minotaur. So I love that. Awesome. All right, so that was our GBGs. And I'm going to pause here for one second, friends, because we actually have uh, listener feedback for each podcast episode. And if you want to share your trident rating or your gbgs you're good you're bad you're great you can head on over to maryandblake.com blake of course is my husband reese's dad maryandblake.com click on the contact us button and there's a little button there that you can record a voice message it will be 90 seconds or less you could just say your first name the state or country that you're from and then tell us a little bit of what you thought about the episode, but make sure you do it within 90 seconds. Sometimes it's best to practice it. Um, and you might want to, of course, if you're younger, you'll want to make sure that your parents say it's okay for you to leave that voice message. But we would love to hear your own GBGs. All right, it's time to delve into this episode. Buddy, I think it was really interesting that they started this episode with Percy telling everybody, don't say I didn't warn you. You know, it's that rainy opening. Yeah, he's like, don't say I did not warn you, kid. <laughs> yes, talking about all the not-so-normal stuff that he's gone through. And the bad things and the downsides of being a half-blood. So I think you guys might think it's just going to be wicked cool that being a half-blood, like, oh my god, my dad is Zeus and company. But to Percy, here's his warning. You best stay mortal. <laughs> Stick to a mortal life. Don't ever get involved with the God part of your life. So we go into a flashback where we see a younger version of Percy. And he's at school. Kids are calling him a loser. He doesn't fit in with anybody. Then we get to see him with Grover uh, talking about how they're actually like the bottom of the food chain. But at least they're there together. And they're playing with cards. And they're playing with... uh, They they were looking at a Minotaur card. With with modern day underwear. (laughs) Modern day underwear. And what I liked about this is when... In the future, when Grover and Percy are in the car running away from the Minotaur, he talks about how those cards were practice, that this was all practice um, for what's to come. What are they? Mythomagic cards. So to me, that's something that they created inside this television universe to kind of create it and to get people used to it. And it reminded me of Pokemon cards. You know how you get to look at Pokemon cards and you know facts and HP points and they're different... Um, the different abilities and stuff. So that's yeah. what I feel like they're mythomagic cards where they reminded me of how someone your age would play with Pokemon cards and trade those. What do you think? Yeah. And then they go to the Met, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and they're looking at the statues and um, the statues, Mr. Brenner says, are, are reminders of what we're capable of. Oh, no, maybe actually this is a flashback with his mom, too. She, she's showing him the statue of Perse- Perseus. And we did not get a warning. But Cedric Perseus did not have pants on, so, so he was and no underwear. So no underwear. So privates were showing. Ew! And that kind of caught us off guard. But I, but I'll tell you this: when you go see art in museums, especially art made from long ago, that's what some of them look like. It's just and, gross. Well, it's gross to us nowadays sometimes because we're not used to that. We're used but it's to people, inappropriate. 
Well, the, think about babies who just seem themselves <laughs> naked and they don't know what it is and they learn what it is and they start pulling off ever someone else's pants they see. No, ba- luckily babies wouldn't do that and babies wouldn't <laughs> care. But I think that this is a really neat thing because it definitely shocked me as a parent, a parent of a 10-year-old. I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this. We are seeing a, a nude sculpture. But like I was just telling you, Reese, a lot of artwork particularly artwork from long ago, this is what it was. And back then, this wasn't a shock. They didn't need modern day underwear put on top of things because this was this was seen as beautiful. This was seen as artwork. And so I think it was a really bold choice of the television show to say, okay, instead of hiding it, instead of pretending that, because that's what artwork looked like back then. Granted, people wore clothes, but I'm just saying that that was authentic. And so they're trying to treat you, the viewer, mature. They're saying, I think 10-year-old Reese in Rhode Island can handle this if he understands that this is how things were back then. I know, but... How did your class react when you, when you watched this episode in class as you, as you did? Did anyone go, oh my... The, um, Did most of the boys went, were like, oh my god, yuck, the girls just cover their eyes and say, ew. But now you can understand, right, that that actually is normal for that type of artwork, and hopefully we can learn to appreciate and that. And just so you guys know, my hypothesis in Greek myth- mythology, maybe everyone did not wear any underwear. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Maybe, Reese. Maybe. I like that um, we get the phrase, not everyone who looks like a hero is a hero. And not everyone who looks like a monster is a monster. And this reminded me a lot of Harry Potter. You're a wizard, Harry. Which is another series that we podcast about because it reminded me of when Dumbledore says, sometimes I think people are sorted too soon. And that not everybody, not every wizard is good or bad. Not everything is easy as black or white. And so I liked that that was brought in here, too, because we need to know that about everybody. Yeah. That even even heroes can make mistakes. Even hero people who look like heroes may actually do some bad things. And maybe people or creatures that look like monsters. Are not actually monsters. Exactly. And this is where Percy's mom says, tells him the story of Perseus. Hold fast. Brave the storm that was made to break us. As we are unbreakable as long as we have each other. A quote from Danae, Percy's mother, son of Zeus. Oh, how do you feel about that quote? Hold fast, brave the storm that was made to break us, as we are unbreakable as Too long as poetic. we have each other. Well, how would you feel about that if I was saying it to you? I'd say... We're unbreakable oh. as long as we're together. What do you think of that? Thankful. Oh, you know, I like that. And I like that she was saying this to a young Percy. And then, of course, Percy snaps out of it. He's having just a little flashback, remembering when he was looking at it with his mom. And, and Nancy Boba Fett calls him special. Ew! She doesn't mean it that way. She doesn't mean it with like hearts like, oh my gosh, you're so special. <laughs> but some people um, have differences in learning and Percy is one of these people. We get to see Percy has, it's not said in the show, but he has dyslexia and we get to see that visualized when he's looking at his paper and all the letters get all mumbled jumbled. People who have dyslexia have a hard time reading and he also has difficulty paying attention. He has ADHD And so sometimes um, people make fun of other classmates or other people who have learning differences and they call them special, but they mean it in a bad way. Oh, you're special. 
And so when she called Percy that, it was like saying, you're weird. You learn differently than the rest of us. You're git. You're stupid. You, yes. don't, even, you don't even look like So that's like what she was trying stupid. to call him when she said that. And then Mr. Brenner gives him what? A ballpoint pen. A ballpoint pen. And he calls it a mighty instrument. Um, so just for those more younger um, listeners, we're not talking about like a whole trumpet blown um, guitar thingy. Um, a pen is like here. Just this a regular is not pen. An instrument, not like an instrument you can play. So an instrument is a tool or a thing you can use in times of need. Yes. And can a pen be an instrument? Yeah. Can you write stories? You could write someone if you were in trouble. You could write a newspaper. You could. The pen is definitely an instrument that people have used as a tool. And Mr. Brunner said a pen is a mightier weapon than a sword, I think. But he personally does not know that this pen is not just, well, an ink blown pen. Well, we see later in the episode when Mrs. Dodd comes on out. Like, and uh, she. Changes and morphs into what we now know as a fury with wings and all this creepy stuff. And she leans over him. Percy's pen automatically turns into uh, a uh, celestial bronze sword. Cause can I tell you something? No, not if it, not if it's a. We can't know if it's a spoiler yet. It's not a spoiler, but okay. Just so I can tell those some listeners and you, celestial bronze weapons, according to Greek mythology, like can sense monsters and will. Um, automatically fight them even without permission from the holder of that weapon. That would that makes so much sense because I actually wrote down in my notes that it seemed very accidental that Mrs. Dodds was killed. You know, she came over. She wasn't even moving her mouth. I thought that was so creepy. She was walking over and ev- all the kids are standing outside. Nancy had just been shoved into the fountain. Mrs. Dodds walks over. And she's naked. No, she had clothes on. Not anymore. When she turned into the Fury, she had scales and feathers and stuff. So it's uh, not. Don't worry about naked people, okay? Fine. Naked monsters. They can't all wear modern day underwear. Yeah. That would be that would be too distracting, right? It'd be too so, funny. So it's okay that Mrs. Dodds, in her Fury form, covered in her scales. But I thought it was so creepy. It, There's different things you can do, whether it's the music or the lighting. And the fact that she was staring at him and it's like she was speaking in his mind and no one else noticed her. No one else heard her. How did it make you feel when Mrs. Dodds was walking towards Percy? It sent a chill up my spine. So the way they did the animation for Mrs. Dodds' transformation was just perfecto. So first they had to show the wing. So unfurled out of her back. And when she a person passes by, she's just tall, fury, bird-leg form. With talons, scales for hair, and oh, all over her body, and leathery wings like a bat. And it was just so perfect. The animation, the pinpoint accuracy, the camera pointed directly at Mrs. Dodds. It was just perfect. The way they s- filmed that shot, it was just I, it blew my mind. It was really realistic. I agree with you, buddy. And I agree with you. I think it was interesting how they depicted the wings unfurling, like you said, because Mrs. Dodds was in a big black trench coat. Leather. So it was interesting to see. Oh, leather. Tr- okay, thank you. Uh, it was interesting to see it morph. And it didn't look too fake. Sometimes when we watch television shows or movies, it's super obvious that it's CGI. It's computer generated. But this 
we know in our brains that that's not real. But it we, looks so it, real. It looks yes. 3D. You could like for a person who like it doesn't know what the how this is real yet. They're like, oh my god, there's a monster in the movie. How is it not eating people? And of course, before this happened, Nancy Boba Fett gets shoved into the fountain. But, but, but not but we physically. Don't, yeah, we don't see Percy do it. So then he's in the office. He's at Yancey Academy with all these teachers and, and the headmaster. And Grover. And Grover says, you know, guys, I saw Percy do it. And Percy is shocked. Shocked and also really hurt. His best friend, Grover, who stood by him for so many years at Yancey, mm-hmm. backstabbed him. Yeah. Clear. So then he goes home and we meet Gabe. And Reese and I had a great laugh. Remember how I told you the guy that directed this episode did a lot of comedy stuff? Uh-huh. Okay. Nothing says comedy like bathroom humor for kids your age. <laughs> like, right? Whether it's a minotaur wearing underwear or bathroom humor. So for those of you who missed it, when Percy's first coming into his apartment building, he passes by the super. Now the super, what, what is a super in a, an apartment building? A person who takes care of the room and cleans it, and we meet a very bad part of being a super is. Oh my gosh, the poor super. He comes out of out of the apartment, and we hear Gabe and him fighting, and he says, yeah, you know what? Maybe you should eat some more fruit. And this is because it is poop humor, my friends. The, the super had a plunger, and he had a snake. Uh, it's a special tool, another instrument. So we are led to believe that Gabe clogged the toilet with diarrhea and poop. <laughs> and that's what Percy comes into. So Reese and I just had a good laugh because that's not necessary to come in. But it's, you know, in in the universe of Percy Jackson, it is important for Gabe to be stinky. So you can't get much more stinkier than that. <laughs> Gabe, of course, is playing imaginary poker online. He says it's his job. And Percy goes and sees his mom. So I'm right away picks him up and says, we're going to Montauk. Let's let's go talk about this because Percy says, I'm scared. I'm scared. And right away, his mom believes him. It is like, I'm taking you to this favorite place that we like to go to every summer. And then Gay comes in and said, when are you going to Montauk? Mm-hmm. And then they talk about sandwiches and hot peppers. So they get to Montauk, Percy and his mom. And this is when I really love their relationship. Um, I think that his mom was really patient and she tells him about meeting his father. And it was really funny because she says, oh, Percy, remember that's how I told you about the gods? And Percy says, God? And like s- Jesus? And speaking of that, <laughs> you want to roll that clip? I already did. Oh, I forgot. That was in the beginning. I know. And Percy says, Mom, I'm afraid something is really broken in my brain. There's something wrong with my brain. Mm-hmm. And that made me really sad. I feel like all of us have felt that at times in our lives where we think we're so different or how do other people handle things and we can't. Is something broken in my brain? And Percy, as we got to see when he was on the field trip, he already has a tough time reading. So he already thinks something's broken in his brain, but now he thinks he's going crazy, the poor thing. And then in comes Grover with, with a goat in his pants. Uh, Not exactly goat in his pants. Like, I'm not talking about like a full-blown goat, full body form in his, in his underwear. Nope. I'm talking like his legs 
are goat legs. Yeah, because he's a satyr. And that's what a satyr is. It's half human. Half goat. Half goat. And he hurries up. He says, listen, listen, Sally. Listen, Percy. Something is coming for us. That's right. And he explains what the mist is. Could you explain for us what the mist is? Because Grover in the car explains a lot to us as viewers. And if we've never read the book series before, we need to know what's going on. So what's the mist? The mist in the Percy Jackson series... is a magical force that can conceal all of the magical world to mortals. It hides the true form of gods, monsters, yeah. And even even Grover's legs, right? Yeah, and even although Percy is a half blood, yeah, it has concealed everything he knows for a long time. So we can see little snippets of some things that. Breaks through the mist and get to him, and then a second later, just folds back into modern reality. Oh, and that's how Mrs. Dodds was hidden. That's how all these things just get explained to everybody. Knowing this about Grover, is it okay that he lied and he got Percy in trouble? No. You don't think that it was right for Actually, Grover to do yeah, that? Yeah, but to Percy, I don't think so. To me, you should do it. Stick with it. Okay, so you think that it was okay that Grovey did that? Because he explained, if I hadn't gotten you kicked out, monsters would have come to find you at Yancey. I had to do that. And this... Oh, you know what I thought was so funny? <laughs> Gabe says, before you get in my car, take off your shoes. And now Gabe's car is stuck in the mud. <laughs> he was nervous about a little bit of mud, and now it's fully covered in mud. Of course, the Minotaur is going and is running, and it's chasing after everybody. And Grover says, there's camp. And Percy's mom, Sally, says, I got to go now, sweetheart. And wait. You're going to need to be brave. You are not broken. You are singular. You are a miracle. And you are my son. Hold fast. Brave the storm. I love you. And I thought, oh, I just got chills. I just got chills when she said that. She's telling him, you are not broken. Hold fast and brave the storm. How did you feel when Percy's mom was saying all of that to him? It was... I don't know how to describe it. Anyway, I don't know. How how did it think about it? Go go back in your mind. Like how would you feel having to say goodbye to me, your mom? Uh, no Sad. One, yeah. And just to know so can can I say something? This might seem a little weird, but for those of younger listeners who don't know what the Minotaur is, and believe me, it's not that hard to know what the Minotaur is, it's a half man and half bull on its head. So like, so picture this really strong guy, like a football player, naked, but only wearing underwear, with a bull on his head. Like, just a bull's head, plastered to this human shoulders, human body. It's just, yeah. It's that. freaky, that's for sure. My goodness. And sadly, the Minotaur is chasing after Percy's mom. She has his jacket, his jacket, which is red, which I thought was really cool, because it's, you know, with the <gasps> bullfighters. yeah. And his mom gets squeezed by the Minotaur and she turns into gold dust and dies. And Percy... Not die. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. Percy has his pen, a.k.a. the sword. And the sword turns into this big glowing gold thing. Cuts off... Actually, no, it's it's celestial bronze. Okay. It glows, yeah. But not exact, it's not exactly gold. And he cuts off... To me, it looked yeah, gold. And he cuts off a Minotaur's horn. It takes him a few tries to get it, but he cracks. cuts it off. Yeah, and then he, he jumps on the Minotaur's head. And stabs it clean in the brain. Oh, so gross. And then it tr- goes to black. The screen goes to black, and he hears um, people whispering and saying, is it, you know, is he waking up? Is he the one... 
And then what's really interesting that this show did is then we meet. They play the credit. Then they play the credits. They play the opening sequence. They play what is now, in my opinion, going to be the beginning of the show. Do you remember how it came up? And it wasn't cartoonish, but it almost looked like pop-up books they had images of the three furies new york city a train warriors with a red flag the st louis arch this is all the stuff that you were yelling at me you were like there's an owl a pegasus a motorcycle a boat an eye gears medusa a centaur taxis flying shoes hermes poseidon hephaestus athena Ares, and then chimera uh, yes a chimera that was another thing that you saw so I think that was really neat for them not to show that in the beginning of the episode. In the beginning of the episode, if you remember, it was raining and Percy Jackson saying, "You don't want to be a, you don't want to be a demigod." And right? also, <laughs> we meet, uh, we hear Mister Brunner, but then we see kind of just man grafted to a horse's trunk. Yes, we do get to see that. We get to see a bit of a shadow. And to that. for those who've heard the Harry Potter books, you will know that this is a centaur. You're a wizard, Harry. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Hagrid. True. So there you have it, my friends. We have gotten uh, this wonderful first episode. It introduced us to the characters of Percy Jackson, to Grover, Percy's mom, Sally, Mr. Brunner, other people that we may or may not be meeting, Stinky Gabe. I mean, <laughs> we got to meet several people. But they made it a point not to show all of the magical stuff in the opening credits. They saved that to the very end. Because now is really where it, it starts to change. And on that note, it's time for the listener feedback. Listener feedback is where you get to call on in and leave your voicemail with your name. Let us know what state you're from. And let us know your feedback. Let us know your GBGs. Let us know your Trident rating. And first on up, we've actually got a friend who's here in studio with us. My name is Felicity. I'm from Rhode Island. And my favorite part of this episode was I love to Percy's mom in Percy's cabin because I thought he was super cozy. Oh, thank you so much, Felicity. Reese, what did you think about Percy's mom and their cabin and the coziness? Uh, I wouldn't call it superbly cozy. It's not like it's made of pillows or anything. It's just... I thought it looked cozy with that cool fireplace on the inside. I, I liked it. It's just, it wasn't... It wasn't your version of cozy? Yeah. Your version of cozy would include snow rather than rain, wouldn't yes. it? <laughs> yes. Not rain and besides sne- seaside. I'd rather be in the middle of a forest. Yes. Oh, well, it looks like from some of the coming on up, we're going to get some forest time. All right. It is time for the mere mortal theory of the week. Okay, so friends, we're calling this the mere mortal theory of the week because I, being Reese's mom, am just a mere mortal and I have not read the book series. So I don't necessarily know what to expect. And sometimes in uh, the podcast that we do along with my husband at maryandblake.com, we have theories of the week. So if you too are mere mortals and don't know what happens, you can also submit this as part of your feedback. All right. So I think that Percy is going to go to this camp He's going to make some friends. Um, he is going to find out who his dad is. 
an adventure will ensue. It was a terrible theory. I know, I know. I'll come up with some better ones. I promise. But it's tough when it's the first episode. <laughs> it's tough when it's the first one. And I know who his dad is because of of uh, you and also because of some of the trailer stuff. But nonetheless, my theory will be that he will have a massive adventure. All right. It's time to close out the show. Thank you all so incredibly much for tuning in for this, the premiere episode of the Percy Jackson Prophecy Podcast. Of course, as I said earlier, Reese and I podcast on the Potterverse, which is our Harry Potter podcast. I do that alongside my husband, Blake, and Reese often makes appearances, but this is his first time co-hosting officially. We would love to have your feedback, and we'd also love it if you could share this podcast with friends. Maybe you have some friends in your life who also enjoy this series, or maybe you know of someone else who've read the series. And if you haven't yet sent in your own feedback for the next episode, you can do that at maryandblake.com just by clicking the contact us button. All right. Until next time, Half-Bloods, I'm Mary Larson. My name is Reese. And remember, hold fast and brave storm. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.